What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalau, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was Atlanta professional sports. Wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's coming along, Graham. We just embarrassed the entire city of Atlanta with a um, tennis match. Yes. We had out over here in East Atlanta. A lot of people watching, too. At the old Glen Emerald Park. Yep. Um, the over-under was set at two sets that we would play, and we could not finish one. No. I won 5-2, to two, but it was a uh, it was grueling. It was a slog fest. Was, yeah. Not a lot of good tennis being played. Actually, kind of decent for the first game, and then after that, it was just straight downhill. Way downhill. Um, so, we'll try talking about sports instead of playing it for now on. Yep. Stick to our guns. Right. What's happening with you? Oh, not a whole lot. We're just watching the Braves. Uh, had a good night out in the new East Atlanta area that we were becoming accustomed to yep. due well, to our studio move. We'll probably have some new sponsors coming out shortly. Yeah, some new uh, new bars being hit up. Like a Flatiron could be a sponsor. Flatiron could definitely be a sponsor. Yep, so, it's, uh, so that was a lot of fun. And, yeah, not... So Just living life. What are we doing here today, Graham? It's a good question, Adam. We don't have a <laughs> shit ton to talk about, um, so we'll do our best. Okay. And it'll be the inverse of the of the episode last week, where I think it was our longest episode ever. I think it was like an hour and twenty minutes. Um, so let's set expectations low. Yeah. And maybe surprise a few people. Sure. Right. That's coming in, coming in humble or uh, good. or defeatist. I don't know how everyone look at it. I do want to start off by talking Atlanta United, though. Okay. So I watched their game yesterday. Yeah, against Toronto. Against Toronto, who used to be, I think they were the league champions last year. Yeah. They won, what What do they call it, the cup? The cup. Well, I don't know why they want to win a cup. Why don't you want a, a, a goddamn trophy? I mean, I know it's a trophy, but it's like the cup, it's just, it just sounds silly. You know what I mean? You're showing your ignorance there. I'm just saying it sounds silly. Um, how's it different? Well, yeah, World Cup. Um, Anyways. I don't know. Um, I'm already bored by the soccer talk. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm going to say is I'm worried about the United. Oh, really? Yeah. So, okay, so tell me what you saw that made you so concerned. Well, they are completely reliant on Joseph Martinez. Yeah. Nobody else has scored a goal in quite some time. Uh, there's a reason, I think, why he is the, the leader on the, not just, you know, on the team, but in the league. I mean, his sole purpose is to score goals. Yeah, so I'm I'm concerned about solely relying on Joseph Martinez for these goals. He's having a historical season, but it kind of reminds me of uh, baseball, mm. where you rely on uh, home runs and then come playoffs. Yeah, that doesn't do work anything. for you. Right. Yeah. yeah, so if we look at the uh, the numbers here, Martinez first on the team by landslide, 26 goals. The next closest Per person is Almiron with only eight scored. Yeah, it gets even worse from there. Barco is third on the team; he only has four goals. So no one else is in double digits. Yeah, the closest person behind Martinez has eighteen less goals than he does. I mean, that's just it's a one man offense. And obviously, you got to take into account assists and things like that. And certain guys certainly are, are are solid at setting up Martinez for those goals. But you're right; if you're relying solely on him, what's going to stop you know teams in the playoffs just doing everything they can to shut him down? Yeah. And the the great anus, I mean, the goal, the way they lost that game yesterday was atrocious. Mm-hmm. They were up 2-1 uh, going into extra time, and they just gave up a terrible goal like yeah. one minute into extra time. So yeah. people aren't scared of going into the great anus for whatever reason. Like it's, There's a lot of people there, but I guess it's uh, not intimidating. And 
people know they can win there now. What, just solely based off that one goal? Yep. They have some crude analysis. Uh, hey, it's analysis, bub. So I think this team is what it is, though. I mean, we don't really know much about how soccer works or uh, <laughs> the mechanics around it or the strategy. But I think we've seen with the, you know, this is all very similar to the team last year. It's all out, offensive one slot, and you hope you just can outscore the people. The different, I think the big difference is, though, having Guzan as the goaltender, you know, is certainly an upgrade. But, uh, or the goalkeeper, whatever they fucking call him. But, uh, you know, there have been times this year where you're, you're mentioning where, where things like that have happened, where the defense just completely breaks down and Guzan's just all by himself. And, yeah. he's, and he's, he's, you know, he's just got to guess right, and sometimes he guesses wrong. Sure. But you can't put that all on him. Sure. So, um, But I think that's that's pretty good Atlanta United yeah, talk for that, us. That's, that's more than you're going to get normally. Yeah. Um, that's every, like, let's try to do it, like, every couple of weeks. Because I think we did it, like, two or three weeks ago. You know, every, every three weeks we'll just, you know, check in with United. I think people again. actually learned anything from that. They probably, maybe they didn't know how many goals other people scored. Yeah. That's, maybe, that's probably something. Maybe they didn't something. know it was a tie on the Saturday game. Right, they might have missed it. Yeah. I missed it. So, yeah. I mean, I didn't know what the final score was. So, I thank you. I well, appreciate yeah, it. No problem. Yeah. That yeah, was pretty funny. I was, I had people over uh, to the house yesterday, and I was like, yeah, let's like watch the United game at four. Mm-hmm. We had, like, dip out, like, chips and dip uh-huh. and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there, like, Steven Glansberg watching the whole first half by myself i was like wow guess the city's not embracing atlanta united very unfair because people didn't come to your house to watch it (laughs) it's very sad (laughs) sad people showed up eventually but it wasn't centered around the game right like you wanted it to be right yeah so yeah let's move on to the braves 59 and 48 got a little winning streak there yep five game winning streak matched the season high of course we promptly lost last night and we couldn't we can't win more than five games in a row but hey it's, it was nice. We took care of bad teams, took care of the Marlins, and uh, we're taking care of the, the Mets until last night. And now we're, we're tied 3-3 three to three while we're recording this on uh, whatever day it is, August 5th or 6th, August 5th, on a Sunday afternoon. So uh, it, it's been nice. It's been, it's been a nice, you know, it, it, it's been nice to watch it and not feel like my world's going to implode because we're, like, handling the bad teams for the most part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... Um, yes, all week starters have been steady. Bullpen's been awesome. Yeah, bullpen's looked really good. Um, Johnny Venters has looked great. Brad Brock has looked great. He's got two holds. The movement on his pitches are just filthy. Yeah, he, he looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, Your boy Minter's done a great job taking over the closer role. Minter's looked exceptional. I don't know if we're going to get back uh, this guy. You know this here. But if we don't, I have a lot of confidence in what Minter's bringing to the table. He's been pretty rock solid since yeah. about June-ish. Yeah. When he was thrust into that role. Yeah, I think if Vizcaino does come back, I don't think he goes back in the closer role. No, I mean, he's been too solid. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree. Uh, we also be a nice g- piece to bring back, though. Sure. We also have to give kudos, and you know, as everyone knows, I'm very one could say hypercritical of, of Brian know. Snicker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but give it up for him in terms of making adjustments since Ronald Acuna has been. In the leadoff hole, uh, hitting 353 on base of 431, 706 slugging percentage, four homers and four stolen bases. Uh, I'll fucking take that. Yeah, that's all day. awesome. No, he's been exceptional at setting the table. I know he's had a rough series this weekend uh, against the Mets. I don't think he's gotten on base yet, or I don't think he's gotten a hit. I don't know. He hasn't done well, but you know, you're gonna have stretches like that. Everybody has has stretches like that as a player, and overall, I've been thoroughly impressed. 
he set the tone for the the entire lineup, and we seem to have been more energized heading into this, you know, quote unquote second half of the season yeah. after the All Star break. Yeah, your your boy Enciarte is starting to take to hitting further down in the lineup now, and he's, he's yeah. been really hot. Yeah, he had a big two run homer today. Uh, he's been getting more hits, which has been nice. Johan Camargo has also looked uh, looked nice. He has four homers in his last, I think, seven games. Uh, he's also just having a really nice, easy swing. I've noticed recently, really shooting a lot of pitches uh, up the middle, which has been nice. He's not trying to kill the ball, but man, that game I went to against the Dodgers where he hit the home run, and he just got all of that. And he's got some, he's got some pop. Yeah, he's got bag. raw power. Yeah, for sure. He, uh, it's it's a time to appoint him our. Uh, I mean, obviously he's our everyday third baseman, but is he our third baseman going forward, or do you think Austin Riley's still in it uh, for next year? Maybe I, I think Austin Riley's your. Is, is the guy you want up here next year. But that's not to say there's not a place for Camargo. This, this could be a good little segue into what I think you wanted to discuss today. Yeah. And, uh, Dansby Swanson. Yeah. Dansby has uh, certainly scuffled offensively this year, and especially recently. I think he's hitting below uh, like 180 or something since the All-Star break. Uh, it started off hot to begin the season offensively. You know, he was, he was really doing uh, pretty nice work. But uh, Talking Chop actually wrote a really nice article. I can't remember which writer wrote it, but they were saying, you know, the difference when Dansby was going through his hot streak early in the season, they said the difference is he's hitting easy-to-hit pitches better than he did last year. He's still struggling on off-speed stuff and some other things, but it's getting masked by kind of like pitches more in the zone. He's actually uh, whacking them, yeah. you know, hitting really well. So it's like if that cools off, we're going to get kind of what we had last year with right. Dansby, and now we're right. seeing that. I mean, that's sort of like that great analytical shit that sort of goes over our heads in terms of not, you know, getting what they're saying, but how they're getting what they're saying. We're seeing that sort of kind of fruition uh, offensively. The hell are you talking about? I'm saying <laughs> we don't know how to, like, you know, track all those analytics, but we're, we're I think we're smart enough to understand what the hell they're saying. Right. Like, we're not going to go out there and, and give you those stats because we don't have the time and we don't give a shit enough. <laughs> but it's, you know, when people write off analytics, it's whatever. I mean, we're, we're, that's a great reference point in terms of like that article was written. Yeah. Now we're seeing Dansby struggle. It doesn't matter what people are throwing pitches. And also, he's striking out more, uh, swinging at pitches out of the zone. Still doesn't have great plate discipline. I think he still has an on base percentage under 300. And uh, yeah, it, it bears uh, the question now is like, is Dans, you know, one, is Dansby the answer at shortstop? And two, can you even say definitively yes or no? You still want to give him some more time next year to prove that he can actually play, or is, is it? is now the impetus to move Camargo to shortstop next year, maybe, and then have Austin Riley, or try to uh, man third, or try and go out in free agency or make a trade in the offseason. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. In yeah, I think you have enough in-house options that I, I don't think that we would need to go sign a shortstop or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as him this year, like, he's fine. Like, I feel like he's better than your average eight-hitter. He's playing that great defense as well. The defense has made him more valuable than he was last year. Last year he was a train wreck both offensively and defensively. He's still having a pretty good year defensively this year. So uh, it has been nice to see his progression in that respect. But it's just the offense is so weak. I personally would like to see them do what they're doing with um, Enciarte and Duvall, the platoon out there. I would like to see more. Mm. Line a couple times a week, sliding Camargo over to short and getting Culberson in. At, yeah, at third because Culberson, man, when he's he, a wild card, man. He is, and he has really been outstanding since he's had to play more. And really, the whole year he's done well. And who would have thunk it too? Even after that postseason he had right last year with the with the Dodgers, Mr. when he did Clutch. so well. Yeah, 
right? But you looked at his peripherals in the regular season and were awful. Mm-hmm. And now he's having a really, really nice season and actually uh, producing in a lot of areas. I mean, he's having – and, uh, yeah, I, I would be certainly open to that. Yeah, his playing time's kind of dried up, so I think Snit just needs to do a little more to try to get his bat back in there. Yeah, and, and Snicker has proven, you know, once again, I'll give him kudos here, he's willing to tinker to try to improve the lineup. He's not he's not as stubborn as, say, Bobby was, where Bobby was just like, no matter what, I'm running this lineup out here. I still don't know day. if that's Snicker tinkering or Anthopolis telling. Yeah, who knows? But regardless of, of you know who's making that call, I like the fact that they are willing to try and put people in positions to succeed, and um, and they're willing to change the order and change the lineup to do that. Here's a question for you. Um, I'm thinking already jumping to next year. Yeah. With how good Nick Markakis has been, mm-hmm. do we bring him back? If we can get him on, say, like maybe a one- or two-year team-friendly deal? It's tough. This is definitely the best year he's had, I think, since 08. Um, his other years for us were solid. It's yeah. not like he's been a shit player or anything, but he's been really, really good this year. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't mind you know, kicking the tires on any sort of, uh, you know, younger uh, free agent that you think maybe could make more of an impact or if there's a trade out there that someone's willing to give up a big corner outfield piece for, you know, I, w- I would explore all options, but I also wouldn't be averse to saying, yeah, bring back Marquegas on a one- or two-year deal just because even if he drops off a little bit, I'm kind of willing to take that risk. I think he's really elevated his yeah. game. Plus, I mean, we do have... Offensively, especially. We do have the in-house option, for sure, of Duvall. He could be an everyday right fielder. I don't want him to be an everyday right, right fielder. I think his his his, his splits aren't good. Too he's many also, strikeouts. He, he, too many strikeouts. He's also has a, just a horrendous on-base percentage and, and average. And even though the power's there, I'd rather say bring Marquecas back on a, on a on a rich deal, even if you got to give him... Fifteen million or something. Then as long say, as it's like one, or two, one or two years. Yeah, I like Duvall, and uh, yeah, I don't want to, want to extend him like five years. That'd be stupid, or even four. I think I think two is your max, but I, I don't want Duvall to be an everyday player. I think yeah. it's nice to have him on the bench as a power option. It's nice to plug him in there in platoon situations, or to bring him in in a defensive scenario. I think that's something that people aren't thinking about. That is nice of, that he's actually good at defense. He's a plus defender. Yeah. He actually saves runs. He's not some some bum out there. Um, so. He's a valuable asset. He needs to be on the team, I think, next year. But I don't want him starting. Right. So I'm against that. But uh, and yeah. who knows if Dustin Peterson makes a big run in spring training? I think Pache is still a couple years away. Yeah, I think he was he only in is he, is he in High A or Double A? He just right got now? called up to Double A. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. once you hit Double A, anything could happen. Right. That's true. So I'd be willing to look at that. I'm also just interested in seeing what we do in free agency. I think what we do in free agency is going to have a huge. Um, huge impact on, on what this team's going to look like. Is Anthopolis going to go out there and try to make some huge signings, or is or are we just going to do what we've always been doing, which is not really going for the big free agents for the most part? Um, you know, the last time we really went for the big free agents or made a lot of trades that we thought could really improve the team was that 2012 offseason where we got, uh, you know, Justin Upton, BJ Upton, yep. uh, that, that whole shindig, and... I really liked, you know, I thought Justin Upton was good. He struck out way too much, but I I thought you know, yeah, he, he played great. well and yeah. was an excellent power bat. And when he was hot, he was one of the best players in the league. We all know how BJ worked You were a big out. BJ guy, weren't oh, you? shit. I was, you know, I was never for that move. But, you know, I had to admit the hype 
Up, up, and hey. Up, up, and a hey. When that was announced, I was like, man, if he could just go back to like 2008 BJ, man, we were going to have a... We're going to win a World Series. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, that kind of bit us in the ass, though. With our aces, Julio Tehran. Right. You know, you can point to Dan Ugla as being another uh, trade acquisition that... He had a yeah, couple of decent years, though. He really had one good month of August, and then uh, two like good 30, months in Random 35 game history. Right, and then had two decent months in uh, twenty early 2012 before he just sucked. I don't think he had any good year, uh, to me at least. But, so it's like, <laughs> with our track record, now we have a new GM. You know, we're two GMs removed from when all that happened, and I... I'm interested, especially based on the trade deadline, in terms of how I think I think Anthopolis did a really good job on the trade deadline. He's savvy, man. He's he improved our bullpen. Gauss, Gaussman looked good on Friday night. Yeah, he didn't look amazing, but it's like you know, that's a nice piece. Maybe he develops into something. Maybe we can get out of him what the Orioles could not. That the potential is there. He's still young. He's 27. Uh, and then the Duval move I liked a lot. And we didn't have to give up any huge prospect for any of those guys. And, and if one of those, if that Encarnacion guy happens to be a, a stud for the Orioles, all right, whatever. At the time, you thought it was a good move, and on paper, I think it is. Right. So. Um, I, I just think we really lucked into getting Anthopolis in the first place. Mm. The fact that that guy wasn't a GM at the time of all this copy shit, it's pretty yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he was he was with the Dodgers, and I think he was a pretty high-ranking. But he wasn't their GM. No, he wasn't the GM. Yeah, like special assistant or whatever. Yeah. So... I agree. I mean, that's 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 huge, and uh, but I've I'll be here long term. Yeah. Other than that stupid ass Jose Bautista signing, I've I've liked what uh, overall I've liked what he had what he's had to yeah. bring to the table so far. Yeah. But what do you what do you want with Dansby? Circle back to that. So you're you're you in favor of Marquez bringing him back on a like a one, one or two year, one or two year deal. Okay. Yeah. So what about it's been so solid? Yeah. What about Dansby? Dansby. I mean, if Austin Riley is ready, mm-hmm. um, I think you got to make the move to push Camargo over to short. And keep in mind, Dansby's not Anthopolis's guy, right? Like he but, didn't make that trade. Yeah, um, we're willing to cut bait there. Yeah, he has no personal connection. Doesn't feel like he has to try and keep running him out there to validate that decision. Where like when uh, you know Frank Wren did for Ugla and, and right. BJ Upton, right. you know. I think regardless. Austin Riley's here as a starting third baseman next year. You think? I huh? think. Huh. I think he's just torn up minor league pitching. Everyone's got glowing things to say about him throughout the entire organization, and also nationally, I think he's being recognized as a top tier prospect. Yeah. If you know, I think he's he's the starting third baseman next year, and Camargo should be the shortstop unless we get, uh, you know, unless we can find someone in free agency or in a trade. It doesn't seem like a need if we have Camargo and Riley. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see Camargo play there more long-term to see what his defensive metrics come out to because he hasn't really played there enough to really get a good amount of data yeah. there or data where you feel like you can accurately project what he's going to do. But, I mean, I'm willing to, to see it. And I, and I like that Camargo, even though he struggled earlier in the year, he's really starting to put – you know, he's still, if you look at his core numbers, you know, it's nothing that's going to jump off the page, but he is – you see the progression. Oh, yeah. He's starting to pass the eye test offensively, and you know he's he's starting to show some power too, which is nice. So that's so why he's got up to thirteen bombs now. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I mean, I'd be willing to look at that too. So, and unfortunately, as we got on this winning streak, so the Phillies, Phillies are catching fire. They're yeah. really starting to do well offensively. Michael Franco has become a completely new player. He was pretty awful 
and now he's just last like month or something he's hitting 350 he's got a huge like a 1.037 OPS hitting bombs I mean they are really hot offensively I think they're averaging almost five runs a game in the last uh I think since the all-star break on the and they've got what we do not have in a true ace yeah a true ace in Aaron Nola and they Top also have five pitcher they also have an excellent two in, in Arietta. yeah so yeah I mean the division's kind of theirs to lose right now it's only we, a game and a half we play them seven times though yeah so those head-to-head matchups, obviously huge. And the Braves have been excellent in, in, in their divisional play this year. And that's one reason why we are doing so well is that we've, I think we're 16 or 17 games over 500 yeah. against the division. So, I mean, if we can if we can take out the Phillies head-to-head and we can keep this within three games, we, we certainly can win the division. But this is a different team than when we faced them in April. Yeah, it's pretty annoying that the Phillies are like a year ahead of schedule as well. Yeah. It would be nice if they still sucked and the Nationals were yeah. still scuffling and we were, you know, the only team ahead of schedule. But say la vie. it makes it interesting, and we got to think about it too from a just a baseball perspective, right? I mean, the American League's kind of set. The only thing that's really a, a race is the is the wild card because you got the A's and the and the Yankees. Um, but other than that, I mean, American League's pretty much done. Yeah, and and Seattle, I guess, is still contending too. But you know, National League, it's crazy. This is like seven teams within like five games of each other. Hmm. You got the Cubs and Brewers, two best records in the in the league. You got us and the Phillies are game and a half. Like I think the Cubs and Brewers are tied with each other, and then we're only a game and a half back at the Phillies. The West uh, is also super stacked in terms of I think the only team under five hundred in that division is the the Padres. Are we in that wild card spot now? I think we are in the wild card spot right now. I think it's us and the Brewers right now. The Diamondbacks are, are really good. Uh, Dodgers are good. Giants are hanging around somehow. Uh, Cardinals are still living and breathing. Who would you uh, if we if we end up in that wild card game? Who do you throw out there? I hate the fucking wild card game Newcomb? for obvious reasons. Oh, as a pitcher, yeah. I'd, Newcomer Fulty. I'd be tempted to go Anibal Sanchez. Whoa, <laughs> tempted. But I mean, I think if if Newcomb can get back to what he was doing in, in May consistently, I think you got to go Newcomb. But if he doesn't, I, I, think I like Anna Ball because he's been so steady. He's been so steady. He's only had like a couple of bad starts, but I mean, he's he's just so economical. This pitches, he pitches to his strengths. He knows exactly who he is right now, and he's he's been a huge huge asset for us. We picked him up off the scrap heap, and he has overperformed ad nauseum. What would you say? If, uh, nice, Acuna. Acuna gets a hit, Ender scores. Now we're up 4-3. to three. Yeah. Fuck yeah, what a comeback. Big time. It's not over yet, but that's yep. that's that's clutch. Um, how much shit would you give Brian Snitker mm-hmm. if he throws Anibal out there in the wild card game and he gets shelled? Fine. Because you, it's... it's no, a, you would be like, you gotta no, go with... Nope. No, I wouldn't. Because I think he's been one of our best pitchers this year. And if that's the guy we pick, then great. If you pick Julio Tehran, yeah, you're a, you're oh, a dumbass. No, oh my god, I would, I would lose it if he went with yeah, Julio. Yeah, the, the struggles of Julio are, are insane. I mean, he was all right today, but it's just like you know we're watching the game. The first like three pitches, it's like way out of the zone. First four, first four, yeah. yeah. And then Fulty, I still don't trust from a. Um, Fulty never gets shelled though. He never gets shelled. He can only go like four or five innings, and he's his control is just awful. Not four or five, five or six. He, he does not get into the sixth inning. Very rarely does he get into the sixth inning, and he he will throw the ball five feet over. Look six. up his last ten games pitched. He's been he's been getting roughed up, and July was his worst worst month pitching 
5.72 ERA, um, only averaged 5.6 innings um, per start through five starts through like 28 innings or something like that. He's just not someone I want in a one-game okay, scenario. That's fair. Like if you want to bring him out of the bullpen in the wild card game for one inning against like the toughest guys in the lineup, I wouldn't be opposed to that. If it was like early, if it was like the fourth inning or something yeah. like that, and some reason the guy we start just like I don't know shits the bed, fine. But starting him right now with how bad of the month of July was for him, I'm not interested in that. What are the odds that Kevin Gossman ends up our best starter by the end of the year? I think it's a thousand to one. I think it's. I don't think there's no chance. chance. I don't think so. Wow. I think Anibal is pitching too well. I think. Uh, you know, Newcomb's hopefully getting back there as well. Um, I would rather go with either of those two guys or anyone else in the rotation. Okay. I really hope we win the division, though, and we do not have to deal yeah, with that Yeah, I don't, don't want to be in that bullshit. We all know how that ended up last time. It's the last goddamn oh. thing I want. And knowing just Atlanta sports, yeah, no, no, how zero, cursed we zero are. Chance. No, zero we, chance. We do not want that. Uh, if we win a next time we win a playoff series, whew. we're gonna knock on wood. Um, let's celebrate like we won the World Series. Yeah, I agree. Like just one series—that's that's huge. That'd be huge. We haven't won a, a, a playoff series since we were eleven. That's wild. That's pathetic. That's that's crazy. Yeah. How many good teams we've had since then too? What a depressing life we lead. Indeed. Last bit of news we'll mention is the Hawks signed Vince Carter. That was actually one thing we didn't get to last week. Yep. Which I like. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, Vince is still a serviceable player. He's not who he was, obviously. He's not been sanity. He's not doing dunks over people. But he's still a, a solid three-point shooter. Um, good guy to come off the bench. I think it's more important, once again, for him to you know come in, he- in here to be a veteran presence to show the young guys how to, how to do things the right way. I mean, I think in terms of how he's taking care of his body, I mean, he was drafted in 1998. He's still playing. Yeah. It's not like he's starting every day. It's not like he's playing 40 minutes, but he's still out there competing. And uh, anyone who doesn't like this signing or is looking at it as saying, oh, well, Vince is washed up. He's not like, why are we bringing him here? It's like, that's not the point. The point is for him to come in here and show these young guys how to play basketball. I don't think anyone cares enough to get upset about. I've that heard stuff. a lot. Of pe- I heard some people on Twitter just going really? shit about that. And I was like, "What do you fucking care?" What about? does it say about Vince Carter? I can't decide if it's a positive or a negative that he's never won a ring, mm-hmm. and he's coming to the Hawks. So obviously, he doesn't care about winning a ring and just cares more about playing. Yeah. What like, does that say? You like you like that? I like it. It's interesting. It's though. a very. It's like the antithesis of what a lot of veterans and his. You know that came before him that were in this age bracket did like Ray Allen went ring chasing with the Heat, you know. Um, other Shaq tried to ring chase with LeBron in Cleveland yeah. uh, during his first day in Cleveland. But yeah, Vince is it's like he's on the Kings last year, sort of just doing the same thing. It's just like I just want to play and and, and kind of be a mentor. Cared? I don't I don't care about ring chasing. Yeah. So I I kind of like it. I mm. don't think it's I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And all reports that I've heard say that he was very. Very good to that Sacramento Kings locker room. So if he can bring some of that wisdom, impart it to uh, Trey Young and Herder and those guys, and and it, everyone pretty much on that team, every every young guy on that team, Torian Prince, and the list goes on. Yeah, um, with with him and Jeremy Lin, uh, that's two solid uh, veteran role models for yeah. the team. A lot better than having Dennis Schroeder around. It's the last fucking person I want to be a role model. Yeah, I think I think that <laughs> that wraps up this uh, abbreviated episode of Atlanta Zone. Thank you all for for listening to us and hanging out with us today. And we'll see you next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer.
Jane Brotherhood, and remain true to Atlanta. House Potomac Sip. House Potomac Sip.